This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Athletic Greens with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. Visit athleticgreens.com slash nomeat to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomeat Athlete Radio. Doug, I've got a, uh, a funny story that was not funny in the moment at all. <laughs> That's my favorite type of funny story. <laughs> <laughs> you you okay. may have, I may have told you this. Uh, it was a few weeks ago. So I, uh, you know how I go on this annual golf trip? Yep. Which uh-huh. I have talked about probably each year. I mentioned it on the podcast. I haven't really ever talked about it at length. Um, but anyway, I this year I, you know, I was busy with moving and all that stuff. So I was kind of last minute needing to get myself in golf shape as far as swinging the club. Okay. Uh, and I was, I was really excited this year just to, I'd been so busy with buying the house and all those other things relating to kind of being in a new place and, uh, just, just very busy. So <clears throat> I was excited to get away and had very high hopes for some reason. Cause I had, I hit the range a couple times, had very high hopes for how I was going to do this year. Just to had, had all the signs that this was going to be a good one for me. Uh, okay. And I, I went on the way out to, to up to, up to Pennsylvania. This is like an eight hour drive. Um, Hit the driving range on the way out. One more time. Just wanted to get, make sure I was at my best. <laughs> and uh, like like halfway through, did you like find a driving range? No, this is right near my house. Like fifteen minutes away oh, from okay. my house. All right. I figured I would just do uh-huh. this. I had about five stops to do. I had to go get some beer for the trip. I had to go get gifts or like a prizes because like closest to the pins and and all that stuff. There's prizes. So mm-hmm. I had to go get that. Um, what I had to do that doesn't matter just several different errands then get on the road which shirt oh buy a golf shirt because you have to wear a team colored shirt so I had to go to Old Navy and get the right shirt which every year I have to do this ritual because then I donate uh-huh. it because I don't wear it the rest of the year uh yeah so anyway I did all the stuff finally went to the range nine hour or eight hour trip now is becoming 10 hours went to the range then realized I could just get the gift thing in the range little pro shop they have there get the prize so I went in mm-hmm. got it Got one of those nice uh, Live Lucky hats. You know those things? You seen those? Yeah. Tony Robbins wears them. I, I was, I always think they're kind of cool. So I got one. I was looking at it on the way out, and I was like, man, I, I might want to buy one of these for myself. And I thought maybe I'll win my own prize. <laughs> All these ideas. You're feeling great, I'm sure. Yeah, just right. walking out of there with Wonderful. a nice Good. little pep in your stuff. Ready for vacation. I mean, ready for this trip. You know, just great. Three hours into the trip, I realized when I was looking at this Live Lucky hat. <laughs> I walked right past my golf clubs, which I had put outside the pro shop. <laughs> so, so, so I did not bring my clubs to the golf trip. Oh, my God. That's, that's, I, that's so good. I debated for a second whether I should like turn around turn and get around. them. Yeah, but then that would have meant an additional six hours of driving. So it was like, it's just not going to happen. Um, uh-huh. So what did you do? Did you rent clubs or something? I texted my friend Pete, who you know. You know Pete. We ran the Ragnar mm-hmm. with him uh, a long time ago. And he, his brother Tim, had some left-handed clubs. I'm sorry, some right-handed clubs, but I had to get a left-handed putter because I putt left-handed. So Tim brought some clubs, which was very wait, nice wait, wait. Tim. You, you swing right-handed but putt left-handed? Yes. I am a left-handed person, but I learned to play deliberately. My dad had me learn to play right-handed because I played back in middle school and high school. And there okay. was a bunch of reasons. Apparently, putting your strong hand in front eventually makes a better swing. And it was horrible to learn, but 
it was fine. But putting always felt to me like it was just better left-handed. So, you know, complicated thing. But I ended up, uh, someone brought a putter for me. Tim brought these clubs from his wife. You know Tim as well from the Ragnar. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it worked. I went to a play it against sports because my shoes were in my bag too. So I went to a play it against sports in Roanoke, bought like some golf ball, used golf balls, uh, and used shoes and you not used tees, <laughs> tees, you know, it just, just a disaster. I mean, like just, it's just piecing it all together. A bunch yeah. Of junk, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it'd be great if somehow I won the tournament and, and all this stuff, but that didn't happen. I, I didn't do particularly well. So um, can, well, I mean, now you can at least blame it on the clubs, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. And I even had this glimmer of hope. I was like, maybe, cause there's always this like jitteriness and you actually play. Cause I don't actually play until I go here. I go to the driving range where there's no pressure, but then yeah. I get on the course and there's just, there's just this extra level of tightness. Uh, and I thought maybe now like, I have just this excuse. I just have, I'm just freewheeling here, you know, <laughs> house money. I'm just going to, it doesn't matter if I mess up. Uh, but that, that didn't happen either. It didn't, didn't go particularly good. So it was, it wasn't the club's fault. It was my own, but, uh, uh-huh. it just was not the, not the way to start. That's funny. Well, um, it's funny you bring this up because, uh, I'm playing my first round of golf, which is part of a golf tournament this weekend, this Saturday for the, it'll be my first round in like three years, three and a half years, uh-huh. maybe the links at black mountain, the links at black mountain. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it, but it's so funny. It's like this, you know, there's zero pressure on this. I mean, you know, I'm part of a team. It's yeah. captain's choice. You know, still pressure though. Everybody's watching you hit the <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah. Well, it. But but you know what's funny is like, I am so nervous about it. I've been having dreams about it. It's been kind of like in the back of my head all week. Um, it's just just really funny. I have no idea why it's it's like weighing on me so heavily. But uh, <laughs> but it is, and and I don't know. I don't know. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Yeah. That and this is the uh, the four person scramble you told me about where it's. You all hit the shot, and then you pick the best one and go hit the yeah, next one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that what you did? Uh, it, we played like f- f- uh, 90 holes, and so it's several different rounds. One of them is with your team, this scramble. But the catch is everyone on the team can only bring three clubs. So yeah. you have to strategically pick who's going to bring the drivers and who's going to bring the putters and who's going to putt with what other clubs. And you can only use the three that you bring. You can't share among each other. Oh, see, I like that. Uh, so what I was thinking, you know, I'm part of, I've never done a scramble like this, so I don't mm-hmm. know really how it works, but if someone hits a really good shot, like, you know, does everyone else even need to take a shot or do you just pick? No, sometimes, sometimes that happens that you just, you don't even try. And especially in the three club thing, because some people don't even have the club for it. So they just don't even. Right. Attempt. Right. But yeah, I think, I think that happens unless, unless maybe there's this sort of curse. Like if you have one bad player, Maybe mm-hmm. you want them to be able to hit some shots during the <laughs> yeah. day. So maybe they could always go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Some people maybe just want to get out there and swing every time and see. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. You don't, you don't always need to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> and did you get your clubs back? I guess that's I did. Of... I called them and they, they took them inside the place and all that. So it was fine. Uh-huh. It's not like my clubs were any good. I had also bought the clubs that played against sports. From they were like good when I was in high school. They were good clubs, but I and I found them like two years ago and played against sports. And I thought oh, that's good. I've always wanted those irons, and it was like ninety dollars for the whole set of them because they were twenty years old now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like I, I do that when I, uh, you know, I was really into skiing for many years mm-hmm. and uh and i still love skiing but now when i think about like the good skis i think about the good <laughs> skis from 12 years ago and not the good skis of today right <laughs> you know and so, so i went into a ski shop 
uh, last winter and I was like looking for the skis that, you know, that I, in my mind were like the good skis and, you know, of course they don't even make them anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's funny. All right, Doug, on to, uh, fitness topics. Not, no longer these recreational sports. <laughs> you know, I, I have to admit, I'm probably going to be pretty sore after swinging clubs for 18 yeah, holes. Probably. That's, that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, running. running. We're both doing it. I'm kind of doing it. Okay. I'm faking it. I, I, I mean, I saw, I saw an Instagram post of you with a finisher's medal. Yes. So. I, did, I did run a race. I ran mm-hmm. with my son. It was a 10K Charlotte around the crown. It's called, hosted by Truist, who, who uh, we were the guests of Truist, and it was, it was mm. a nice race that nobody had to pay for, so that was enjoyable. Uh, and we ran it, and ran it with my son, and I just sort of was banking on kettlebell training, because I'm doing some good workouts now that involve, uh, I don't know what I would call them, sprint workouts, where it's like you cram a, a whole workout that usually takes me 40 minutes, cram it into 16 minutes. So it's like a very high heart rate thing, interval kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that... No, not like... no. It's oh, kettlebell. Oh, okay. It's kettlebell swings, but it's that aerobic, you know, thing. And I've been doing some workouts, a few little running hill workouts that have like twenty second intervals. It's basically the same exact thing, but I'm doing it with running. Just a couple of those, and I just can't get myself to go out and do the the actual runs, like the long slow distance or even the short slow distance. I just can't do it. I just get too bored. So I think one time I went out for a three mile like just jog. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I can only do it if it's a workout, and. I just figured I could manage a 10K, and I did. My son and I ran eight-minute miles for the whole thing, roughly. Hey, that's he, pretty good. Yeah, it was, fi- it was fine. It was flat and, and pretty easy, um, and I didn't feel like I was going to die or anything. But at the end, when we got to the six-mile mark, he took off. It's not like he was, I was holding him back. I, I, mean, I kind of was. I kept saying, don't go too hard on the hills because like, there are some little hills, and if you go, he just doesn't know how to run a race, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't know when to tell him, okay, now is a good time for you to go. But finally, at the six-mile mark, he uh, he sprinted for the final point too, and he he managed to get like fifteen or twenty seconds ahead of me in that little bit. So he had he had a bunch left. He could have gone off earlier, but still, it was, it was his first ten um, k, and he was he was had his had his age group. Had there been like an under twelve age group, he would have won it. But unfortunately, his age group was under nineteen, so he did not win it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it was still fun. It was really good and felt great to run a race. And some NMA fans. Uh, came up. One guy had his book, his plant-based athlete book for me to sign. Did he know uh, you were going to be there? Was I, just... No, I didn't say a word about it to anybody. And I don't know how anybody even recognized me because I just don't ever... I guess, you know, I guess we do like the Facebook ads and stuff now. So maybe maybe my face is out there more. I'm just mm-hmm. not used to people, unless it's like an event, a vegan event where people know that someone's going to be there or I'm going to be there. But not not like this. But Wow. I'm impressed that he, I'm impressed that he had his book. Yeah, me too. I, I guess, yeah. I guess people just figure I go to all the running events in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to. Yeah, you're, you're, setting, you're setting the expectation. That... Right. Yeah. But so that was fun. That, that's always always enjoyable to do that bit. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, congratulations on your first race. Yes, thank you. And I, it, I, it, has, it has sparked a little bit of a fire along with Jeffrey Binney watching his movie, documentary, uh-huh. docu-comedy, whatever it's called. Uh, the name of the bit is Once is Enough. And my if family you, watched If you that. don't know what we're talking about, you got to listen to last week's episode. Yes, last week's episode with our guest, Jeffrey. Is it Jeffrey James Binney or James? Je- he has a three-name thing he does now. 
Yeah, Jeffrey. Uh, well, I don't know. Jeff Jeffrey Benny, I think. But Jeffrey James Benny is what his website is. So maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, um, I it got me Googling things. And, and t- actually, it was the conversation with him that got me Googling things. And I I can go into that a little bit later. But I have been thinking more about races and, and wondering, can I do races without doing slow distance runs? That's the... Uh, <clears throat> the what uh holy, what holy grail of running <laughs> the holy grail no the um oh uh why can't what the really popular like hit Hansen, workouts Hanson no. brothers crossfit endurance <laughs> crossfit crossfit endurance yes and that and that the the approach that they take yeah i can't ever find what it is tim ferris mentioned it in four hour body back in 2010 mm-hmm. and talked about these crossfit endurance athletes who do 100-mile races, and they never go more than 13 miles right. in their training. And it's a lot of, like, I think, half-mile interval kind of work. But I have mm-hmm. Googling cannot find specifics on that because I would love to give it a try. Uh, well, so I know I, that uh, our buddy Jason Fitzgerald yeah. is, is not a well, fan of it. He hates all CrossFit things, so it's hard to it's hard to trust that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, fine. I mean, I, I get it. I understand why. But and they're high injury sports and all that. I think it's probably. I remember what he said. What like he's a serious runner, and he's his article about it, which I actually found when I was googling, is basically saying that's not the way to run your very best hundred by any means, or your best ultra marathon. It's just mm-hmm. not. But my question is not like, what if I don't care about the best way? What if I just want to get you know be doing these races every now and then, but and, and finishing and not not being in undue amounts of pain uh i don't know could is it doable that's what i would like to know yeah maybe i might try it we'll see you should give it a go i thought maybe i would only make races all my long runs so because that i can get through Mm -hmm. a race that's not boring so if i found like half marathons marathons then just sort of do those rarely but make that your listens and then you got all these uh these workouts in between these small little workouts you know, I, don't, I really don't, I honestly don't think that's a bad idea. And that, you know, that's kind of the approach. We've talked about this in the past about, you know, since I've had kids, my approach towards ultra marathon training has been, you know, have a solid base and, uh, and consistency. I know you're talking about not really running at all, but, um, you know, consistent fitness activity. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's consistent five or six miles, uh, a couple several times a week. But then really strategic long runs that are, you know, maybe once a month, you know, something like that, where yeah. you're just, you're trying to, instead of doing a long run every weekend, you're, you're kind of doing these extra long runs once or so a month. And, and again, it's not, I would never write a plan for somebody and say, this is the best way to run an ultra marathon. But if that's what you're, you know, that, that's the card you've been dealt, you know, if that's the, the amount of time that you have or the interest level that you have in running mm-hmm. then maybe that's like the only way to do it and that's a better way than no way yeah i'm glad to hear you say that because that's that has sort of been my thinking i like i thought like obviously if i was going to do a longer race i would need to do a, my fair share of like you know 45 minute an hour long runs at least once a week i would think and as, and also like a running workout and a couple other things in there. But like I just wondered like is the is the marginal benefit of doing a twenty five mile run compared to a I don't know say a nine or ten mile weekend long run like is is your body getting that much more out of that or out is of that twenty five versus the nine Yeah, like like do you think I mean because because in nine miles you're it's still time for you to 
get to a well, maybe not maybe nine's a little short but get to the point where you're out of glycogen and your body needs to you know use some fat or you need to refuel um you're in but you're at that endurance pace like you've got to you've got to kind of go mm-hmm. slow so like is doing that for three times as long i just wonder if it makes any any real difference i'm, I'm sure it makes some difference and and someone who's very serious about running should do that because that's how they'll they'll get their body most used to it but like I don't know. Like, like, do you, like, do I have to do those things in order to get my feet used to it, or is yeah. is nine or ten miles or thirteen miles enough for that? Yeah, I mean, so I would, I would probably say that two hours is probably the lowest. You know that there's a lot of difference in my mind between an eighty minute run and a two hour run, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot that changes in the body. There's a lot that changes on your energy levels and your glycogen stores and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff between just like going out for an hour and going out for a couple hours. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I would err on the side of, of a little bit longer than nine or 10 miles mm-hmm. uh, for someone like you, but you know, but you could probably, if you were doing those regularly ish and, uh, and doing them in race formats where you're kind of really pushing yourself, uh-huh. um, then yeah, I mean, I think that you could probably get a lot of the benefits of just going out and slogging through 18 miles, 20 miles, something like that, right. you know, at a, right. at a really slow pace that you're walking at the time because you're unmotivated. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Good to hear. All right, well, so I'll, I'll, since we've started talking about this, I will continue my, my train of thought. So I, I looked up the Umstead 100. You know that uh-huh. one, right? Yeah. Because it's and, and like on their website, they even it's like they downplay it. They say this is this is almost not a real hundred, which is <laughs> weird that they would do that. But they, really? I mean, they, do they say that? Yeah. It, it's I mean, I, it's the same website from five years ago, and it says like we consider this a good uh, I don't Beginner know like right? transitional race or like something between people who are used to doing fifty miles and and someone who wants to you know do some of the they don't say this but the real hundreds like the ones out west. Uh, no, that's funny. It is. It is. They really downplay it, which is surprising to me. Um, and I understand why. It's very flat. It's eight, 12 and a half mile loop. So it's like, it's just not the same adventure that you get out of a typical ultra marathon. It's still uh, 100 miles though. Yeah, right. Still 100. And for me, I, I don't care at all. Like I, I think that'd be great to do it in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I looked that up. Registration, I think, is actually this week. Um, but then, remember that uh, I used to want to do that graveyard run? It was uh, down the Outer Banks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I mm-hmm. because it seemed like an East Coast kind of friendly bad water. Yep. Because uh, it was 100 miles, not 135, and there's no no huge mountain to climb, uh, and it's not 135 degrees or whatever. But uh, it went away for a while, and I forget why. But I heard some stories that sounded like shady, shady uh, things were going on. But it's it's now back in some new form or at least that that area is still is run a race again called Blackbeard's revenge and i don't know if it's the same owners i'm guessing not at all or, or race directors um but it's back so i thought that's kind of interesting but then i looked at the uh a video of someone did of it and it's a lot of running on the shoulder of a road while cars are going Zooming on that by. road still yeah so that seems kind of hard for 100 but it's it's there and it's and it's flat and it's on road which is all it's checking my boxes so i'm <laughs> thinking about it yeah Umstead is not on road right i mean it's no, a, it's no, a it's trail, trail but it's... i think that would probably be the much more pleasant race to do mm-hmm. um, yeah um, uh, the i mean the bad water or not the bad one the uh outer banks one i think some of the challenges are similar to bad water right i mean the, the, the they try to make it hot and 
Well, it's like unpredictable weather. It could be 20 or 80, they said, and there's winds and happen. Last year, there was a big thunderstorm. So it's just, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm fantasizing to even think about running 100 this soon anyway, that soon. Uh, I don't um, know. You know what I think you could do, Matt? What? Based on your history and your current fitness level, um, I bet if you just got into running three times a week mm-hmm. and did... Uh, and just and, and sign up for a bunch of races, like you're saying, and got they got progressively longer, half marathon, marathon, fifty mm-hmm. k, maybe even a fifty miler. Then, right. then you would be able to run a hundred miler, an easy hundred. Yeah, this is exactly what I've sort of thought in my head. And but then I say, could I? Is it really okay to just do a marathon, fifty k, and a fifty miler as my like long runs before a hundred compared to, you know. The, the programs I've done before, the program I did before, and the ones I see you doing, where there's these back-to-back runs, and it's 25 one day and 13 the next, and mm-hmm. it just seems so different. But that, and that's when I wonder, do I really need those extra miles? Like, does that really make a difference? So, well, I, well, I think, I mean, I think it also depends on, and this is the same way for marathon training, right? I mean, any, you know, not anyone, but a lot of people can go out and run a marathon without doing all their long runs, mm-hmm. right? But, but do you want to? do you want to suffer through it or do you want to perform at your best? Right. And, and there's a trade-off on both ways, right? I mean, sometimes you just kind of want to suffer through it because yeah, you want right. the experience of the race and you want, you know, to have this goal and you don't want to put in all the hours and hours and hours of training to, to make it a little bit better. Right. And, and so, you know, I think there's a bit of a trade-off, but of course, you know, I, I want to be clear for anyone listening. I'm not recommending a training plan like that for your first hundred miler. Right, of course not. Maybe I could just buy a medal somewhere and then just the, <laughs> even the running of the race. <laughs> I'll sell you one of mine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, so that's enough about my running. Uh, yeah, okay, so I wanted to share a little uh, something that uh, I did last week that, well, actually, you know what, before we do that, why don't we pause for a second to, to thank our sponsor. Okay. Speaking of athletics and feeling your best, today we're talking about Athletic Greens. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the daily nutritional beverage everyone is raving about. Matt, I had a terrible night's sleep last night. I know. I I was complaining to you about it earlier because uh, my daughter's been having nightmares and just... Couldn't even do video for this podcast. Couldn't I I just... I look like... I look like... (laughs) (laughs) I look terrible. And so we said, we're just not doing video. But you know what I am? What I am drinking as we speak. Ooh, athletic greens. A cup of athletic greens because, mm-hmm. because with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multi-mineral, probiotic, green superfoods blend, and more, they all work together to increase energy and focus and aid with digestion and support a healthy immune system. And so when you are coming off of a rough night's sleep, this is the perfect thing to give you a nice little uplift. I like how the, whenever we have a sponsor who has some sort of concoction, like uh, that one that had the electrolytes uh, yeah. element, and then athletic greens, you always spin it into a hangover cure in some way. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I know this is not a hangover cure. This is not a hangover. But it's a, it's a, yeah. These drinks should say, if you're feeling terrible in the morning, whatever the reason, that that's the real use of this drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you got to do what you got to do, right? Whether you're whether you're hungover or just hungover from kid nightmares. Yes. 
<laughs> While most nutritional products come to market and stay stagnant, Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing 53 improvements over the last decade and counting. They invest in the most absorbable natural sources of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality ingredients. And right now, Athletic Greens has got you for covered for a year-round immune support by offering our audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit our link today, go to athleticgreens.com slash no meat. No meat. Athleticgreens.com slash no meat and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health. Visit athleticgreens.com slash no meat to get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Thanks, Athletic Greens. And back to the show. Nice. Okay. So that was that was my running. I this episode is sort of a lot of updates, but uh there I think they're about interesting things. I have some some strength training updates as well, but let's hear Doug. I want to hear what you've you've got some running stuff going on as well. Yeah. So I'm running. I'm running more regularly than I have in months. Uh, you know, I've kind of talked about this slow transition back for a while now because I have been running for a while, but uh yeah, I'm really kind of getting back into it. I've got a 50k coming up at the end of next month. I've got a half marathon out for the Spartan race that we're all running out in uh, San Francisco, Golden Gate Classic, Trail Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get back into a regular training. And one thing I used to do back when I was training all the time, uh, and I used to be a big fan of this, was I had a route that I would, that uh, covered different things. So it would have a flat section, maybe a downhill section, a tough uphill section, and every so often I would run that route as hard as I could race style and kind of check in and see where I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then you could go back and even look at the data and kind of break down like, okay, I'm stronger on the climbs than I was last month. I'm stronger on the flats than I was, you know, and just kind of all around better, better time, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I've, you know, that's something I've done off and on for, for a long time, but I haven't run one of those in, in, in quite a while, but every week, Sometimes multiple times a week, me and a group of buddies get together for an early morning run, and we always run the same route, which happens to kind of have something very similar structure to this, where it starts out pretty flat, you hit a long, slow road uphill section, and then a long, slow down road section, and then a really tough trail climb, and then you end with a big descent. And um, and it's kind of the perfect route for for a little check-in like this so i convinced the guys that we should do this we uh we set out last week for a race style uh event Mm -hmm. and um and it kind of showed me a lot of my weaknesses (laughs) but (laughs) but it was also this really fun experience that uh that anyone can do at any time it's kind of similar to what you were saying about how the the five the 10k you just ran uh got you motivated Mm -hmm. you know this was just with a couple guys there's no like fanfare but even by myself, it just kind of, you know, to go all out as hard as I can for mm-hmm. five and a half miles or something like that, um, it just, it motivated me. And so since then, for the last week, I've just been so pumped and jazzed on, on trying to improve my training. Hmm. I like that. So a little, uh, a little jolt kind of. Yeah. Just like a little simple jolt that you can, that anybody can do. And 
and also, I mean, you know, the whole purpose is kind of to expose some weaknesses and, and show where your training is, is, is improving. Uh, cause then you'll do this again next month or, or whenever you right. can like periodically check in on yourself. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it served for that purpose, but surprisingly for me, cause I haven't done one of these in a while, uh, it was a huge motivator. And so what was the motivating part that you wished you had done a lot better or that you, that you do surprisingly well and that was exciting because then you feel like what you're doing is yeah it, it was it, it was kind of a little bit of both uh it did better overall than i thought i would mm-hmm. it was faster than than you know we get together and we run and it's i wouldn't call it a casual run you know it, it's uh we're not racing every week of course uh but you know but we're not just like completely lollygagging mm-hmm and and so I knew, you know, and we kind of always come in around the same time, and I'm I'm generally pretty wiped when I get when we get done with it, mm-hmm. um, and so I was surprised at how much better I was able to improve on our kind of standard time, so that was motivating, and uh, and then it was also motivating because you know I just realized how like that that long trail climb like how how hard that was and and. You know, I'm not really climbing the way I used to, and I used to kind of pride myself on on ability to move, get up up a mountain, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm like, man, I have some real work to do, and so <laughs> so it's motivating in that way too. You know, gone out and tried to do some some hill runs and things like that. Yeah, interesting. That is good. I uh, so I've done kettlebell training for the past nine months now, and the one part of the instructions that I never really followed, just because it seemed annoying, was uh. He said, like, every once a month, you're doing this thing four or five times a week. Once a month, he said, do some sort of jolt to your system, like climb a mountain, enter a 10K and run as fast as you can. Uh, you know, something that just is, like, going to be a big lactic acid buildup. Mm-hmm. And I just hadn't been doing it until I hit this new phase of the program where you do that once a week. Um, not not quite that intense, but you, you know, vary the intensity. But, like, he's all about, like, lactic acid being the enemy, largely, to what you're trying to do and that's why he hates these hit workouts and a lot of these things this is the guy who i'll mention in a minute who writes all these books that i've been reading but anyway Mm -hmm. um he says the lactic acid like every now and then is a really big beneficial thing for whatever Mm -hmm. reason it kind of helps you reach a new high because you push yourself this hard uh but i so a really weird thing and it sounds kind of off topic but i don't think it is is that i've been having a little bit like injuries here and there just little tweaks and things and I found that after these lactic acid workouts started, like the day or two following them, I would have zero pain at all in my shoulder that is bothering me or my lower back a little bit. Because I have, you know, my form has not been perfect. And I'm, as the weights have gotten heavier, I've realized that I have some things to correct because I can start to feel it. Um, but the day following these, these you know, complete wipeout workouts, uh, I just felt no pain at all. And so I looked it up and it turns out lactic acid is like a big time uh, anti-inflammatory agent. And huh. you know, does things in your system. So I just wonder if if that's even connected. Like if it's that if that type of effort, you know, sends your brain some some endorphin like signals that that say this is I don't know, just makes you more excited about it. this. The sort of jolt to your mind as well as your body that would yeah. make you more interested in training hard. I, I mean, I believe it. You know, because you can do you know, you can go out and you run your everyday run and then you can even do tough workouts and those are fine and those are great. And you can kind of see how you're progressing along with those. Um, but to do somewhat of a race simulation or to actually go out and race like you just did, or, you know, if you were doing something else, 
uh, I, I don't know. It kind of it it's a different way to push yourself than than you normally would, and um, it's gonna fatigue your body in a way that even even like a track workout or something like that would. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, be- I believe that there's something physical or chemically going on there. Yeah. So, so do you think, uh, does one have to have sophisticated tracking devices and things like, like I'm imagining your group has to benefit from <laughs> this sort of thing? Well, now all you need is a cell phone to have sophisticated tracking devices. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you need like a Strava account and all that stuff, right? Yeah, that's real sophisticated. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you could you could just use your cell phone and turn on Strava, and then you can have all your splits and and all the segments. Like it, it will show you, you know, your each of your segments on a route. Mm-hmm. No, but but even I would just say honestly, like if you just had a standard old stopwatch, which mm-hmm. one of the guys. This is how he does it. Like a wear around your neck, kind of like gym teacher stop. Right? Like two <laughs> yeah. buttons. Okay. Then, then you'll likely have a lot of bouncing, maybe some bruising <laughs> on your on your on your ribs. But okay. no, if you just had a regular old like Timex, um, <laughs> uh, what are they? The Iron Man Timex. Iron Man, right? Why the Iron? Why is an Iron Man watch? I don't understand why that's. <laughs> Never understood that. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> No, I mean you could you could just see how you did overall, like what the time was. You don't even need a watch, right? You just check your car, uh, <laughs> your car clock. clock. You need a clock, though. You need some sort of like sundial, some sort of time telling device. <laughs> a sundial, yeah, a sundial okay. would work. Uh huh. Okay. Um, yeah, and check your overall time. That's all you really need, and then just the rest of it by feel. I mean, because you're gonna know, okay, like okay, I'm cooking, I'm cooking on this flat part. Or uh, wow, I am really out of breath and struggling to get up the this hill, hilly section, something like that. But mm-hmm. I do recommend, you know, I think that it, unless you're only running flat races and you're training in flat area, um, you know, to to I do recommend having a varied course where uh, you're not just running around a track, but you're you're having a hilly section and a and kind of you know kind of utilizing different parts of of the terrain to to see to expose some weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like it. I've got a uh, ask the running coach question. Oh boy. Okay. New segment. Uh, so I've been doing at my son's soccer practices. There's this big hill, and yep. we don't have that anywhere else near my house. So that when I go there on Tuesday nights, I run this hill. Uh, it's not that long of a hill. I mean, I probably could take a minute and a half to get up it if I was going kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's fairly steep. And so what I've been doing is, like I mentioned before, applying these same intervals that this strength guy, his name's Pavel Tsatsulin. Uh, some people probably know him. He's like the kettlebell guru, but he has these intervals and it's, it's like, uh, I mean, he, it's in terms of kettlebell reps is his stuff, but you can, uh, you can take how, how long it should last and then you can apply that to something else. So it's like 20 seconds of sprinting pretty much up a hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you rest for the remainder of the minute. So you rest for then 40 seconds and then you do another 20 seconds. That's one variation. And then you have a longer rest and then you do that pair of sprints again. Or the other variation, the somewhat easier variation is more like 12 to 15 seconds of sprinting uh, and then rest for the remainder of the 30 seconds. So it's, for me, and you do four of those things and then you take a longer break and then you do it again. And you do it as many times as you want. For me, it's very different uh, and I, like no one told me this is a good idea to take this and apply it to running. I've just been doing it because I felt like it and it just seemed kind of fun. Um, 
anytime I've done this sort of workout in the past, the length of time that you're quote unquote sprinting, or at least going as long as, as hard as you can go for the duration, uh, it's usually like a minute and a half or two. Or if you're going up hills and like on a hill workout where you're kind of training this, this slightly lower heart rate system, uh, you know, it might be three or four or five minutes running up the hill and then you, and then you run down for the same amount of time resting. Mm-hmm. Um, but so these are way, way shorter than that. Like, do you think that's, is there a reason that running intervals are typically much longer than these 15 second or 20 second sprint mm-hmm. things? Well, you, um, do you have, had, did you ever you do strides when you're training? I did a few little programs. I did had them, but you're right. This is this is most similar to that, probably compared to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what it sounds like. A stride, you know, is ten to twenty seconds in length, mm-hmm. um, and and you're kind of hitting ninety percent of your, or even maybe higher, ninety five percent of your max speed, and kind of then slowing down as you. Like it, typically, right. they're like an arch, right? So you're kind of right. starting off and you're hitting, and then you're slowing down towards the end of it. Uh, and that's that's kind of what this sounds like is is these really short, high intensity sprints that are great for both running form and power and uh, you know really kind of expanding your stride. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of benefits to to little short sprints like that. But I also mm-hmm. think uh, you're probably not you know you're probably not getting the same level of fatigue as if you were to ex- extend that out for three or four times that. Yeah. I think that makes sense, but I I do get really fatigued, and, and perhaps if I tried a longer one, I would do really badly. But I don't know, mm-hmm. so I'll have to explain with more. You know, it's funny. Well, do you think I, that if you were if it, if it was twice as long or three times as long, would you go slower, or do you think you? Could? Oh yeah, definitely. I have to because I can uh-huh. I can barely. I mean, by the third or fourth one of these things, I'm not making it 15 seconds. I'm I'm just oh crashing. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah strides. I mean, I don't, I don't whenever good, I did strides in the past, I didn't do them at that intensity. I thought it was more like, oh, you go look, go out there and stride around, like nice and slow, relaxed, kind of s- just striding. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure people do that too, like there's warm ups and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, n- I, no. When when I when I think of strides and when I think of the way I've used them, as especially following a workout or something like that, there's you know you're really going full intensity um, for just real short stints, and then you, know, you rest for. 20 seconds and turn around and come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they need a new name then. <laughs> like Sprints. <Spartlek. laughs> yeah, kind of like Spartlek, I That's guess. actually more like what I feel like I've done in the past that is similar to what I'm doing now. Uh-huh. Fartleks are great, I... you know? And and Fartleks can can be long. I mean, they could be a quarter mile mm-hmm. of the intensity part, or they can be really short. Mm-hmm. Should we say that it means speed play in Swedish or whatever? Don't you have to do that every time you say fartlek? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. If I mean, well, I don't know. Do people know what fartleks are? No. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh-huh. It means speed play. They mean speed play. In, in some sort of Norwegian or something. Yeah. All right, good. So here's here's a final thing for me. Okay, let's And this is, this is what also has motivated me to think about long-distance running again. Um. Everyone knows I've been doing the kettlebell thing for a long time now, and I'm really into it. And I've I've read now seven of this guy's books. He has all these books on Kindle, and they're all like five or eight dollars. And I just keep getting them, and I keep reading them, and they're really good. Uh, I have started a new 
pro type of thing. He calls it greasing the groove is his name for it. He has all these little names for his things. Ooh. But this one, and I so I did my first one-arm push-up in my life oh, uh, last week. Impressive. I know. I know. Well done. Ne- never been able to do that before. And Can you do it on I, both, an- both hands? Uh, I haven't tested my right-hand side recently. Okay. But when I tested it a week ago, I could not. Okay. But maybe by now I can. Um, and I also did my first true pistol squat where mm-hmm. you go all the way down to the ground so that your butt is basically hitting your heel uh, and your leg is extended out in front and then back up. Uh, I've never been able to do that before either in this complete fashion. But the way that I am doing this, and this is from his book called The Naked Wards about these body weight uh, exercises you can do. His his method is you only do about half the reps that that of like a, you know, for the push-up, for example, like you do like against a wall or against a, an increasingly lower box. Uh, so even if you can't, the, the way to get the one-arm push-up is not to do a bunch of two-arm push-ups. It's to actually just train an easier version of a one-arm push-up. Mm. And the idea then is that uh, you you just do about half of the amount that you can do in any given set. And you just do these sets throughout the day. And you do like four or five or 10, whatever you can kind of manage. And the example he gives in the book, and I thought of you, Doug, is pull-ups. He said someone he trained to do, who, who he was trying to teach to do more pull-ups, basically, he just said, hang up a pull-up bar or put one in, on your way to your basement. And every time in the day that you walk down those stairs, and I guess it was a route the guy guy went to his basement a lot, he said, do, <laughs> do half the amount of pull-ups that you p- could do in that moment. And so it's never like a completely tire you out. It doesn't even tire you out at all. It just, it just gets you greasing the groove, basically. And mm-hmm. you do that enough times, and eventually your body learns the skill of that thing. And I said, so, there's a skill because it's not the same as developing muscles. It's not necessarily that you're building new muscle fibers. It's that you're getting better at creating tension in your muscles for uh-huh. this particular exercise. Your brain gets better at recruiting the fibers. Just like when you go running, your brain gets better at that. Um, and so you can gain strength without putting on muscle. And for a lot of people, they, they want that. Right. So what? What's your objection? No, no objection at all. I love it. I, this is like yeah. this is like a dream come true for me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, and it's kind of like when we talked about uh, simple exercises. When we talked about the whole yeah, we talked about ladders and other kind of routines. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, and and my pull up, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, and that's kind of what I was really trying to do, and what I was successful with for a little while was just these like, all right, I'm going to take two minutes here and just kind of do something uh, with no right. no real structure, but just just work myself a little bit. Although I like I like the only half of what you could do in that moment because for me right. it, it would I'm tempted to just kind of hammer out as many push-ups as I can for a minute and a half right or but then if you do that you won't do them throughout the whole day because right. it'll tire you out one time and then you'll be dreading it the next time so yeah it's it's very much like what we talked about before and what we said before I remember we said like you know if you could just do 30 seconds of push-ups each day like if you did that for a whole year and you looked back at your year uh you know you'd probably be pretty happy that you did that and it was very little effort but Mm -hmm. we said like the problem with that is you won't really progress and it's boring and you don't get anywhere uh and so that would probably prevent you from ever actually doing that every single day for a year but the difference here i think is that you are kind of trying to move towards greater and greater volume and you're trying to do i mean eventually a lot of sets of these throughout the day uh and with the exercises i'm talking about you're not just doing now pull-ups is maybe different Although you would, I guess you would start to put weight on. Like he never wants you doing more than your your 
half of what you should do, can do should never be more than five. If it's more than five, then you're not training strength the way he wants you to train it. So, you know, one, once you could do more than 10 pull-ups on a test effort, you would you would then be increasing, you know, doing weighted pull-ups now, putting a kettlebell on your foot or whatever. Uh, you'd be doing weighted pull-ups so that you couldn't do more than five at your halfway point. Hmm. So the idea then is you actually do progress. And I think that is what would keep people interested. Uh, but anyway, but again, you're, you're never trying to, like he, he says you should always be ready for, you know, battle or whatever, or have to go do a run. Or like you're never trying to get yourself so tired that you actually would have a negative impact on your performance. In fact, it might actually make you more kind of ready to go. So it's been working really well. My son Holden and I are both doing, both doing the pistol squats and the, and the one-arm push-ups. And eventually the goal is get to one arm, one leg push up where you only have those two, you know, the diagonal support. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of neat to like have something that we are working towards and to actually see the progress happening. So anyway, that was not really my, my point. My point is this guy's stuff is really good. I love it. Uh, again, his name is Pavel Tsatsulin, Pavel, T-S-A-T-S, you know, that'll, you'll find it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, this idea of like, for, here's what's the big interesting thing about all his stuff that I have finally understand. I didn't get this from reading the first kettlebell book, Simple and Sinister, uh, which has been wonderful, but it did not teach me this. And it's that like, I always associated from, you know, mistakenly and my own fault. I thought getting strong was the same as getting big. Like I just, I just associated if I'm going to do weights, if I'm going to do weight training, mm-hmm. I'm going to not be running and instead be doing strength. Then that means I'm also having to eat until I'm uncomfortable all the time. Uh, certainly unhealthy levels. And that's recently has been my big reason for not wanting to, you know, do strength training is because I didn't want to have to deal with this thing that I think is probably making me less healthy over time, which is eating as much as I possibly can. Right. Um, even if, you know, even if you're growing muscles, if you're, if you're, having to increase your calories by 50%, like, I don't think that's good. I think you, your body's better and you age better and live longer if you can eat fewer calories. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing, though, is about is about strength. It's not about building muscle, per se. He he talks all the time about power lifters and compares them to bodybuilders, and he, he much prefers the powerlifting philosophy where you've got weight classes that you need to stay under, and it's how strong can you be for a given weight. And mm-hmm. so to him, if you can find a form of lifting that – builds as little bulk as possible but as much strength as possible then that's the that's the perfect thing and so he talks about how bodybuilders aren't very strong and their muscles are apparently there are different different types of of hypertrophy which is muscle growth and there's one type which i have them in front of me because i'm just in case anyone wants to look at them um sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is like when it these kind of more bodybuilder muscle where there's not as much strength and it's sort of uh not not sparse but but kind of he says bloated, soft, and useless. Uh, <laughs> there's myofibrillar wow. hypertrophy, which is which is denser and stronger muscle. We have kind of more fibers packed in there, uh, but it's not bigger. It's just it's just denser and stronger. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that is true. It's the first time I've ever heard of that idea, uh, but I'm only saying it so that people could could follow up. I mean, it makes, a, it makes a little sense to me, right? Yeah, I yeah. Because I mean, because you get powerlifters who who are 150 pounds and they can they can bench press 500. Yeah, right. Uh, and you know, so and that's a lot of it is that their muscles. You know, they've developed these very strong, obviously dense muscles. But the, it's also his huge thing is about this the skill of strength, and the idea that you know, I mean, what it largely comes down to is that you are 
tensing almost every muscle in your body for any given lift that you're doing. And the reason that is like his, his example is if you make a fist, you'll see that the muscles in your wrist and forearm will, will tense. If, if you, if he tells you make that fist even harder, you'll find that your bicep muscle actually tenses a little bit to make a fist harder. And if you really, really try to do it, you'll find that even your shoulder is getting into the action. And his point there is that, is that, you know, the more muscles that you are tensing, uh, the more strength you're able, able to generate, even in a muscle that is not really that close to the muscle that is being mm-hmm. tensed. So it's thing, you know, even for push-ups, you're tightening your glutes, you're tightening your abs, and even tightening your grip on things, like grip on a on a barbell, like squeezing it as tight as you can before you push it up. His claim is that that, you know, you do enough of these things and you get massive increases in how much you can lift. Hmm. So it's just a different, it's a whole different thing. Like none of that is about building a muscle. It's all about building this skill. And for me, that that's what made me excited about running. It was like, wow, like I feel like I'm a, a whole lot stronger now, but it's not like I feel like I have a lot bigger muscles. And like, I kind of would like to have bigger muscles. So I just found this out recently. I was like, damn, I, like I've been doing all this stuff the whole time. <laughs> Following this guy who doesn't even want me to have big muscles. <laughs> right. And I've been getting stronger and stronger, but uh, you know, my body like isn't looking that different. Uh, and it's fine. And I don't really care that much because I'm not, I don't have any reason to be jacked right now. Uh, but I thought, man, like I'm doing all that, building all this strength and not putting on weight. Like that, that could be really great for sports and running. Something where like to have, have 15 more pounds on my frame would not be beneficial at all for running. If I can be just as strong and then somehow develop this aerobic fitness that, that runners have, uh, I could probably do pretty well in running. So I don't know. It just it's got me excited about that, and I always I always like when you get interested in one thing, and then that makes you interested in something that is seemingly not that related. Like when you get start eating really healthily, and you lose some weight, and then suddenly you want to do exercise again because you started eating when you had otherwise not been able to get yourself to exercise at all, but because you started eating healthily, suddenly it makes you want to exercise. So I always think it's interesting when when you tail wags the dog kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That's really interesting. I'd love to know more about that. Which which yeah, book which book is. was the one that was kind of exposing this to you? Uh, I think the Naked Warrior is probably the one that is all about. It's about the body weight exercises, primarily the the one arm push up and the and the pistol squat, mm-hmm. and just talks a lot about this this how you get better at these lifts without necessarily being stronger. Hmm. I'm sorry, without being bigger. Yeah. So anyway, that's my update. Uh, it has been. It's definitely been an interesting journey for me because i just was so 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 out of fitness not interested in fitness uh for many years after that hundred i didn't mention it but that 10k except for the ragnar by the way which is the exception to what i've been saying is that 10k was my first race since my 100 miler Mm -hmm. i think i did a color run believe it or not a long long time ago i remember that yeah and i I did it with a friend and it might have been right after my 100 but i think it was before that's not a real race right i mean no i right i don't think so but I think I the Ragnar was definitely after my hundred. So I uh-huh. technically that, but that wasn't a solo individual effort. That was a relay. It was a little different. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if you're drinking beer in a van, you can't really count it as as a <laughs> yeah. race. It's just a little drinking different. <laughs> drinking beer in a van, and uh, there was <laughs> there was this one particularly tough section, maybe like ten miles or something that I remember. And they afterwards they gave the person who ran that a belt buckle, and you were like, what? <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> you don't remember that? Our group gave the person a bell buckle? No, like the race did. You got a bell buckle for running that race. Every person on the team who ran that section? 
every I mean every every, every team's team member. person yeah, yeah. who remember yeah. that at all. I mean it wasn't like a big nice one like uh like you know you get a hundred right, dollar but right. it's, it's that's little, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like. I've talked to people recently about those relays, and they're really fun. And and it's not that they're not challenging; they are. It's just a different oh, kind. Yeah, incredibly challenging. Yeah. But it's. I, it was very. I mean, a lot like a hundred miler, where like it's a lot of suffering, and somehow in hindsight, that's it's a pleasant memory. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how that that van races are. It's. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's miserable when you're in there. And right, because you're just so tired. Not t- yeah, no one can sleep. There's so no bad. good place to sleep, even, uh-huh. and you have to run again in an hour or two hours. Yeah, but it, but somehow it's a really, really fun memory. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time doing that. Doing yeah, that race. me too. All um, right. I I just uh, I want to share. I've still been doing the kettlebell workouts probably three or four times a week. Oh right, I forgot and, you were doing kettlebell. And um, nothing really to report. I'm kind of still. You know, I'm still on the same weight that I started with, 35 mm-hmm. pounds. And, mm-hmm. um, and, but I just feel, I, I don't think there's been any muscle definition or, or maybe a little bit, but not like bulking up like you're saying, but I just feel so much stronger. And I think uh-huh. that's because, you know, kettlebell swings really work so much of your body. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm just doing, I'm working all these muscles that I never really work because mostly I just run and, uh, or cycle and, um, I don't know. It just feels good to feel like more in tune with your body. Yeah, I, I know what you mean exactly. Mm-hmm. And kettlebell swing is—I mean, I never had done that before. But uh, I mean, maybe once in some workout program, I had to do it a few times, but never, never owned a kettlebell. But uh, people think that—I mean, a lot of people think that it's like the single best exercise you can do for just all-around health, low impact, low injury risk. Uh, I don't know. People just think it's a really, really great exercise. So I've, I've really enjoyed kind of trying to get better and better at the form. Mm. of it well, yeah i'm glad you you've kind of turned me on to the kettlebells and uh it's been it's been a really good addition for me good glad to hear it now now that push-up i or the pull-ups i want you i want to see you see you hit that pull-up goal i know i got what well now you got the new method grease the Three groove months. yeah i'm gonna do it i, okay. I will have to <laughs> i have to say i was getting pretty discouraged uh <laughs> earlier this summer when i was really not making any progress and still looking like looking like a fool uh at my on the playground with my daughter (laughs) (laughs) all right all right thanks everybody updates hope someone got something out of that one person got one thing out of that that's what i really hope for we did that (laughs) then it was worth it (laughs) absolutely it was worth everybody else's time listening to it for that yeah. one person to get one thing. If you out. didn't get anything out of it, then just hope that somebody else did. Yeah, know that you in, you did that in the service of, of the one person who found something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. Talk, Talk to you to next you. week.